Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, recorded live at ADAPT 2022, Lucas and I are joined by Connor Tracy, Director of Partner Development at Kukui. We talk about the struggles when building a new shop, the future of the automotive industry, and why some shop owners hesitate to fire employees when they know they should. Before we get started, make sure you have a set to automatically download the latest episode. Make sure that you check out our content on YouTube, and if you're feeling extra generous, Leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And now, here we go. Someone mentioned me in a comment. What do you want, a cookie? I mention you in the comments all the time. I know. I ignore that. Yeah, I know. I've got it set up to where I don't hear any of them. Just unfollow and ignore. Uh, So what kind of spicy stuff are we going to talk about? We got to talk about spicy stuff. Spicy stuff. We need to do the one chip challenge. You know, the song no, goes everywhere dude. now. It's like at 7 Elevens, they have the, the spicy Yeah, chip. and the little disclaimer that goes You got to get them. the box, though. Like, a, you miss the experience when you get the box. Really? Because right. you normally get like a hat or a headband. You get a shirt. Really? You get some swag for cauterizing your taste buds. Everybody that I know, <laughs> everybody that I know got a completely different, um, you know, something for it, uh, yeah. you know, right. bad bathroom experience later, you know, the new one apparently dyes your tongue blue too. Oh, so you can prove. Yeah. So you can prove. Right. That's the last thing I need. That yeah. is the last thing. I so need. now you're on fire and look like you licked a Smurf. But it's just one chip though. It's just one chip. It's gnarly. My, my kid did it and I took a corner maybe this big and it i was hurt it was a it was an unpleasurable experience he was standing in the kitchen over the sink straight chugging out of a gallon of milk sweating from everywhere really yeah 
So I have a, a cousin, and um, we went to a Mexican restaurant one time. And hang on here. What are you doing? I'm making an adjustment. This is not how software or hardware failures happen. No, it's not. <laughs> plugging things and unplugging yeah. them that have worked consistently. Moving and changing them. Yeah, David, why don't you tell him the story? Why don't you tell him the story about David plugging and unplugging things? We didn't have our setup set up. That's it. Setup set up? Yeah. We had, listen, Connor, we had our setup set up. And our no, setup no, no, was no. working. He, now, we didn't have, have like a system. There, there should have we been were, a discussion beforehand of like, what angles do we want? Do we want the overview? Because, you know, you got to think couple steps ahead he this fool decides i'm going to set up like 17 cameras and 65 lights and then i'm going to tape everything together all the wires so i don't because i he this drives him bananas like he this did. is causing him anxiety you were building a harness i he was built and, a harness and, 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 but and he, so he, i show up and i'm like ah, we don't need this harness cut and out the door it goes and i'm like we just need one camera here and one there and it like, he was hurt i'll never hear you heard oh, it yeah. deeply no no see what it was is everything was working okay yeah, and, and without without maybe the nicest way to say it is that everything was working and without thinking about why other people might have done the things that they did someone came in and undid all of it in front of now i was not there my employees were the ones who set it up, but he did it in front of them and explained how stupid it was and how stupid it was never going to work. <laughs> Stop, but son of a bitch. I did not say any of those things. <laughs> and and so now they not only did I was they, trashing on you, but it was only because so he, could, he was he thought he was trashing on me, but who he was trashing on was them because they had done it, not me. No, no, they had set it up the way you had outlined it. And so that's all I was commenting on is the way it was outlined, like the different camera angles and stuff like that. I'm like, this isn't going to work. He's learned he doesn't do that anymore. He doesn't have say in that anymore. Because what are you talking the, about? after that, nothing. That, that's what I was saying. The, we didn't have our setup set up because this is the setup that we do now. And we've been running this since when? I don't remember how many Two years ago. Done, Something like that. This works perfectly as set up right here these four cameras the angles the table and normally we like have all these wires running through the center here right. he didn't care this time but and i don't care ever but it was always bothering him so we have typically have all the wires down through the middle and then that's it it works it works perfectly the little four camera thing set up yep. and yep. the only thing we're missing is one additional lens and um it's on the list that he's going to be buying for at least the past two years now. Okay. Very. Look, my lens. It's, it's, it's a list. It's, it's a still list. There. It, it is still there. <laughs> okay. It is still there. There's things you need to know about David. He makes lists and he doesn't ever follow them. He doesn't ever. If he would make a list, like an actual written down list. My I, do. wife, I have a list. I've, I've got an app called To Do. Do you ever look at it? Yes. It but, sends me reminders constantly. The To Do yeah, app does have a date on it. It, it does have it, and it alerts exactly. me. It's like you're overdue on this. Like, I know. 364 like days. That scroll, like it's the wheel of fortune. <laughs> Which one of these am I actually doing? No whammies. Today? No whammies. Oh, that's hilarious. What are we going to talk about? Whatever you want. Okay. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about the right to repair? We can. What do you? Let's let's talk about the industry dragging its feet on just getting organized. Okay. And how it wants to argue Ooh, with I itself know. sometimes. I know. Seems to be a thing here lately. 
Can be. What do you think about it? Uh, I think it's interesting. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, Shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. You know, we, we're an industry of strong-willed individuals, right. um, people that work within, a lot of times, their own bubble. Um, and I think that can cause us some struggles with sometimes getting together and kind of marching in the same direction because we're all pretty right. strong-willed. All right. You know, this the the nature of what we do at its core makes you put on a tough skin. It does. Telling people, telling a soccer mom that that 03 Honda Odyssey is on its last leg and Timmy's got to get to soccer in an hour. And right. she's it's always your fault that it's broken. Exactly. You, yeah. you, you got to grow a tough skin quick. You do. And a lot of times that makes you put fences around your opinions and your viewpoint right. and getting homogenation between people when that's our core of our existence, I think can be a little difficult. Right. Um, I think uh, out of industries similar to ours, we do a better job at it than many of them, right. but there's still struggles. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and it seems like um, in many ways, I, I, I don't know, it almost feels like we focus more on winning than we do on right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's which organization is going to be stronger, which organization is going to be better as opposed to just saying like, Hey, we're just, we're trying to help shop owners. We're trying to help technicians. We're trying to help service advisors. It becomes about winning and who has the most power and who's, who's making the most money, who's doing whatever. Right. And so like this event here, it's nothing like that. Right. No. I think most of the ones we go to vision, AST, like they're all about, Hey, we're working together to improve our industry. Um, and so what do you think drives that mentality? What do you think when you see some of these organizations that are kind of taking that stance? What do you? I mean, there's a lot of nuance to our business, you mm-hmm. know, unlike a lot of other industries. Every shop is a little different. There's body shops. There's, um, you know, even within just general service repair, some shops are European only, some are Japanese. So every, each business is different. It has its own nuance. There's little continuity throughout that. And right. I think a lot of that will reflect in coming together as that is. And that's even why, you know, national associations within our own industry struggle at times is, is, yeah. you know, hurting those cats is 
not an easy chore. Exactly. And then when it's a bunch of cats that are pretty thick-headed. Right. And want to do their own thing. Yeah. Because they're the master of their own universe every day. You go into your shop. I mean, you ask any guy that's ever run a shop. They, right. they were the best guy at selling service and fixing cars. and Absolutely. Um, you know, and I see that every day in my capacity. Right. You know, I talk with shop owners every day. and They all already know it all. Hey, couldn't be that the OEMs are making it almost impossible to buy a car. I've just right. got car count handled on my own. I've cracked the car care code. I don't need to worry about marketing. <laughs> so <laughs> I hear it all day. Um, it's um, We're a, a group that I think likes to act like it looks further down the road than it does. Right. But um, when it gets motivated and when it gets agreement, then watch out. Right. It's getting us there. That could be the tough part. Yeah. And I, I think we're making more strides in that area than we ever have before. Right. I, I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, and, and it's events like ADAPT. It's events like and, – and, you know, it, it's been neat to watch this event, right? Like the management conference, I was here for it too. <laughs> really neat. Right. And, and the networking, the things that they do really focus on bringing us together. Right. And then, then you leave the management conference or not necessarily leave, but, but you transition into adapt and you start hearing about the technology that's coming. Right. And, and David and I were talking about this in a live stream a little bit earlier. Uh, Mark from, from Audi, he stood up and he's like, y'all been bitching. You, you're, we're not giving you something. You're hating on us. OE standing here. What you want? I mean, I, I I could give him an example. My right 2018 S3 that last year was just like, oh, by the way, no 3G towers. You just have no connectivity anymore. Right, right. Can you just sell me a 5G module? I'll pay for it. Right. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey. Let me know. I'll buy it. He might be a listener now. We'll make sure right. that he hears about but, it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? It's like, hey, don't just kill my car. Right. Let's fix it. You know, Subaru owners, everybody that was 3G connected. Right. Come on. Yeah. Apple can figure out how to put it together. They're giving away free freaking, you know, cell phones at the grocery store that right. are 5G connected, but you can't get a module that you can install in my right. car. Right. Come on. I, that is a little weird. You they don't have, that? But they're, they're not supporting the car anymore. Your car is dead to them. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Buy a new one. Yeah. Go buy a brand new one. I, I understand their mindset. I mean, from an ownership standpoint, that's yeah. miserable, but... As far I mean, as the OEs go, like, we're not going to make any money on a 2018. Get out of here. Well, I mean, that that's the same thing with cell but phones, they could. right? You, they, buy, you have a 5G module. Charge me 600 bucks to put it in. Oh, man, I don't I know. I can only get it at the dealer. I guess you could make some money off me. You could. If I want the $7,000 I paid for my digital dash that had Google Maps that was really nice to have for my navigation and all that. Well, and, and at that point. That's now not working? It doesn't work at all anymore? It just uses the onboard navigation. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Dude. I don't know. See, that's that's sort of... But then the other direction goes like what BMW is doing. They're like, okay, well, then you can pay to have your heated seats work, and you can pay to do right. this. Yeah, it's the like, subscription. Yeah. I don't know if that's any better either. It'll but, be supported, at least. But... See, we, we have too much fluff in the cars. But it's not... What's it's the not problem? My, but then it's not my car. You're telling me that I get to use it when I right. pay you? Well, and, and... Well, that was Ford's argument. You don't own the car. It's not really yours. It's our data. It's our engineering. It's our, you know, you're just, uh, you just have the physical, tangible product, but it's not really yours. You don't own it. 
Based on my pocketbook, I'm pretty sure I own it. Yeah, I know, right? Like, if you want me to pay that for <laughs> that, it. That was right. the argument, though, they were making. Oh, no, I is agree. That the software was, it's like, yeah. that's all ours. You have no right to it. Right. So, like, that's the argument up there. It's like, well, who, who gets to control the data? Right now, it's the dealers because the data's all getting funneled into the OEs, right. and then they're deciding where they're going to send the, the information. And the argument that it needs to go to the consumer, I don't, I don't know about that. The consumer think, doesn't know what to do with anything. I think the real question mm-hmm. for them should be is what tangible risk they have of not allowing access to that data. Right. You know, and that's, I know that's been part of the argument, but if there's no actual risk to intellectual property or safety and security, um, you know, for the greater good of all, which is right. the hardest thing in the world to get, but, right. um, why wouldn't it be? You could just ask for world peace. Well, you could. I yeah. think that might be easier. Yeah. That would probably be easier than this. I, one. I guess they don't have any, they don't, they don't have any reason to. No. I mean, they have a, they know. have a fiduciary interest to not do it. The, the, the question. Because they have to deliver to the shareholders and it's like, we can keep all this information well, they, secret and then make money off of it. It's working out really well for most of them, considering that they have like several lots within a hundred miles of me in Michigan where you can see F one fifties from space, right? Now. So they did just, modules? I just saw yeah, oh, yeah. it gets better. Motor trend article came out yesterday. They have a good number of F one fifties that can't be delivered right now because they don't have enough blue oval badges. <laughs> <laughs> so we might want to think it's technology and that's probably part of them, but there's F one fifties that are not getting delivered right now because they do not have the Ford logo for the front of them. Um, so did you, has anybody seen the, the, uh, 60 minutes episode that was, I guess it was like last Sunday about the chip shortage. Have you seen anything about that? I haven't. It's mostly because I'm not 70 years old and watch 60 minutes. I'm not either, but I do watch <laughs> 60 minutes. Um, it was really interesting though. You know, <laughs> then you like get up and watch like the Sunday morning show. <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. I do. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a hipster. I, I, I can't pull off hipster. I'm sorry. I just, okay, I can't yeah. help it. Um, Was you, that a jab at my shirt? It should be. It's the beads, dude. I can't do the beads, man. They tried to put beads on me. That wasn't you. Somebody tried to put beads on me. Mm-mm. Didn't go well. Do they call you Jimmy Lee Jr.? No. <laughs> J- I, there is, there has been JV that Jimmy Lee. That was mean, dude. What is wrong with you? He's a nice guy. He's interesting to talk to. Why would you do there that? There is JV Jimmy Lee that has been thrown out there, though. Yeah. You, you did not come off that way. No. He's no. got a whole vibe of his own. A yeah. little, little more edgy. Uh, yeah. You are? Yeah, you are way edgier than he is. Yeah. So, long story short, okay? There is one company that makes the machine that's required to build five nano chips or five NM chips, five nanometer right? chips. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, long story Who's short, using five nanometer chips. Well, it's like 1980s technology. Well, no, but, no, 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 no. Like AMD was just adopted seven. Oh yep. yeah. yeah. And that, that was their new platform. And, and Intel was on 14 and they're like, we're not going to seven. Yeah. We're just going to keep making 14. And they got the AM4 platform just completely blew them out of the water, mm-hmm. and, and they had to adopt something. They went 
completely different direction. Right. But, I don't know what size chip size their their twelve series is. Right, and I and I don't know exactly. We'd have to look, look it up. up. But my point is, is that the only company that makes ultra small chips, right, right is a I, I think they call it AWIF or something sure. like that, right? And they're um, they're a Dutch company. And long story short, this machine starts at two hundred million dollars. Takes two years to build, and they're only building so many of them. Yep. And so, long story short, if you go do a little bit of research, you find out that many people are claiming that it's a monopoly of chips because they're the only one right now. They sell to to the Taiwan chip maker. They sell to Intel. They sell to Samsung. They sell to everyone. Right. It is a really, really fascinating technology. If you've not looked into it, you should. But the point is, is that they are literally the roadblock. They are the bottleneck in chip manufacturing. One company in the entire world is the bottleneck. But here's the thing. There's other chip manufacturers out there that can build chips of that same spec. They're just not. No, no. Here's the thing: is they are the only company in the world that has one. the capacity to do it. Or no, no, no. They're they can the, build the machine to build the chip. chip. Ah, they're okay. they're the only ones who build the machine that builds the chip. Gotcha. Everything well, goes through them first. We've seen other issues like that in our industry. Mm-hmm. We have brake rotors. Talk about the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Right. It's a hunk of steel. Yeah. But look at what happened with brake rotors. And what was everybody's answer when we had brake rotor shortages 18 months ago? Well, we should be making them here. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Right. Do you know what the process for high carbon steel is? <laughs> they don't really like that. I don't really want that in my backyard. Yeah. It's and nobody gross. else does either. That's why it's there. Yeah. And it would take probably five years of legislation to get it approved to build. I mean, there's a reason why there's yeah. no high carbon steel manufacturing in North America is because environmentally it's so gnarly. Right. And are then, you saying that they are offshoring the pollution <laughs> to countries? I would never to make other that countries assertion. that all this green garbage is just simply pushing it somewhere else, so we don't have to see it in our backyards. I mean, we are the country that had to endlessly debate to hide nuclear waste under a mountain that wasn't like hundred people people within a hundred miles of it. So. But then, you I don't know, know if I agree with all this. It's but that would take. But the, <laughs> they are doing it. The to studies save I the heard earth. from break OEMs were that it would take five years to just get the legislation to build a plant, and then possibly another five years to build a plant just to turn out break rotors. So you know, it, it it's interesting where these bottlenecks can come from. So what do you think about that, David? But here's the problem, though. This was this was years in the making of stupid decision. Short-sighted decision after short-sighted decision, piling up into global pandemic. Everything sure. shuts down all of a sudden. And here's the thing: like you've offshored everything now because that was the big push in the '90s. Is let's. I think the risk was that we weren't selective enough. Offshore the raw materials production, which can be the hardest part, but maybe keep the manufacturing. So. What we did is we pushed everything out there. Raw materials production, manufacturing, now machine manufacturing. I mean, I live in the Midwest. There's a lot of empty buildings that have the words tool and die above them. Yeah, My kids ask, right. what does tool and die mean? I'm like, 
these are all these buildings made machines that made everything. Yeah. Right. They're all empty. Yep. And, and, you know, so it, yes. So maybe we don't want that raw material here. I mean, when we look at everything we own, it probably good parts of it are not great for the environment. You know, you look at, especially yeah. in the semiconductor world. I mean, that's huge, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, yeah. but the manufacturing of those items, that's not as difficult. I mean, my, my uncle worked for Intel at a chip plant in Phoenix forever. Right. You know? It's not there anymore. Well, they're they're building what four new chip factories in. I don't know if it's in Phoenix, but it's in Arizona. Yeah, right. Big facilities. Mm-hmm. It, the Taiwan Chip Company, Intel. Who else? Samsung was building. Yeah, one. Samsung's, Samsung's building, building one. one. And and so what I was talking about was EUV lithography, and it's it's a company called ASML is who it is, and they build the only machine. It almost sounds like what David S. is going to say. I know. <laughs> oh, God, that's bad. Um, but, you know, long story but short. You would think that these companies would go, we need to build the machine to build our chips. Well, oh, so we, that, we that's where the interesting thing is, right? That, so that's, that's what I was getting to. That's what's interesting about this, is that Bell and everybody else, when this company started, they went to every single one of these companies, and they said, hey, We've got this crazy technology. If you'll invest in us, we'll work together and we'll, we'll come up with something. And all of them had the opportunity to invest in this, right? All of them had the opportunity to go and try and do this on their own. Seat at the table. Right. And what did they do? They said, Oh, that'll never, that, that won't work. That's not possible. You'll never be able to accomplish this. We're not going to go that direction. Right. And so now many of those same companies are claiming that this is a monopoly. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. They want the government to break it up. And, right. They yeah, want right. them to, to release the technology. Right. And so you can't get these machines used, right, because they're, they're in such high demand. Everybody wants to keep them, right? And they, they refit them and they repair them right where they're at. And they're probably leased. They're yeah. not. I'm going to sell them to you. Yeah. yeah. And so. That would make sense. Yeah. That would be a smart business model. And so, you know, and, and like I said, I think it's a Dutch company or something like that. But sure. You know, the point is, is it's their hard work. It's their years of sacrifice, right? Because he goes through the story and he tells his story in that show and he explains like the sacrifices they made to make this work. Did 60 Minutes present it in a positive light that, hey, we should feel bad for this company? No, they, they actually presented it, believe it or not, they presented it in a very neutral way because they presented it in such a way that if you listen to either side of the story, well, the reason we don't have chips and, and you know, this guy made a very interesting point and he was saying, you know, the airplane that you fly on and the, uh, the car that you drive and your PlayStation and, and your PlayStation <laughs> and all the equipment. Yeah. In your your home and all these other things, they use really dumb chips. And and the interviewer's like, dumb chips? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's very rudimentary technology. It's not a tiny chip. He's like, you think about your cell phone. It's got the processing power of, of 50 of the first F-16s. Right. And he's like, you know, it, it, <laughs> we're building something that has more capability than what you can recognize with your mind, sure. right? It has yeah. something. And so they're continuing to advance this. But it's only them, right? And so now the others are deciding that they want to look further into it. 
But they basically have got the market on this lithography system completely locked down. And they're iterating it still. Exactly. So as these fools are trying to catch up, they're like, all right, we're already working on the next thing. Exactly. Keep it up. And so our entire world is revolving around the technology in your cell phone now and in this little tiny, you know, drive or whatever it is. And one company is at the center of all of it and it's swirling around them. Uh, somebody will come up with a competing something or of another. Of course they will, oh, but sure. they're ten years behind. That's my well, point. I mean, yeah, but like, like that, you're, su- you're assuming uh, I'm a Mac an end guy. goal. Well, so like I'm a Mac guy. You look at the shift. I'm that's sorry. sorry. That's all right. Both of you can. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I'm a chimp. Okay, I need to be able. If a five year old can use it, it's perfect for me. <laughs> I know my capability level, and I've learned to work within it. Okay. If, if my daughter, when she was six, can pull it up and it all works, yeah. I'm good with it. But you look at the change, the change from them moving from Intel to yeah. their own ARM processors. Yeah. And when they came out with the M1, everybody, even on the PC side, was like, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> Zero temperature issues. This yeah. thing is blazing fast. Its form factor is tiny. We can shove it into an iPad yeah. and it runs faster than a tower PC. Yeah. You know, and then, and now. Well, that was sort of the problem. That was the claim. And that's what everybody got. Like, right. they're like, oh, this one's going to be just as fast without any of the power consumption and this, right. that, and the other. And they're like, and the PC manufacturer said, ah, oh, no, we can go way faster. We Meanwhile, just need lots a, of heat sinks. And I like <laughs> burn. Yeah. power. Yeah. Melting your room. <laughs> right. and right. and so, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, so the hardcore PC guys are yeah. like, uh, but no, you see just, the same thing. Have, like, if you saw the news that, um, NVIDIA and who was it? Uh, EVGA just had a breakup. Yeah. Because yeah. they just got tired of EVGAs. EVGA just got tired of Nvidia's, NVIDIA jerking yeah. them around and undercutting right. <laughs> their own cards. And they just said, all right, we're just not going to sell video cards. It's 80% of our sales. Uh, but the gross margin only accounts for 50% of our revenue, though. Yeah. Right. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But uh, screw you guys. Uh, sometimes you got to jump, right? Right. That was pretty bold of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, we have a very similar discussion. What if you fire half your customers? What is that yeah. going to, how's you're that going to impact? You're not hostage. Yeah. You're, how's that impact your profitability? Turns out it doesn't. And they're doing the, they're doing the same thing. They're looking at it going, we're not going to get screwed around anymore. It hurts by, a little up. It hurts a little up front, yeah. but it feels real good later on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I've I agree. done it. I mean, that's part of what I did when I worked for Bridgestone is I would go into Firestone stores and I'd turn them over. Right. I'd go into a non-profitable store. I'd be there six months or a year and I'd piss off who I needed to piss off. And <laughs> so tell us about it. <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting. I was a young guy, you know, right. you know, and, um, I liked it. I liked getting in and getting dirty and, and problem solving. That's, that's right. been something I've just loved doing and, and finding where opportunities are and, um, you know, I did that for almost 10 years with them. And so when, when how, you, how long was the transition? I would normally be in a shop like six months, a year. Wow. That's that kind fast. Of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of with them, with their corporate format, many things are formatted for you. I mean, there's a lot of standard SOPs and things like that. Right. It's normally internal operations is where your breakdowns are. So what, it's the people. You've got garbage people in there. You need to come in there and. Yeah. I mean, everything else on that end is really dictated, right? Shop operating system's the same. 
selling the same products, your supply is all the same, pricing's all, it, everything else is dictated out. Right. It's locked down. It's controlling of variables. So when, when you went into stores, what was it that you typically saw about the people? Was there, was there a common denominator? More often than not, it was leadership issues. So whoever was leading that team prior had either let people that didn't need to be there any longer stagnate or didn't engage, encourage, and excite the people that were willing to to, to do the good job. Right, yeah. right. And so what was your solution for that? I mean, you just came in and wiped everybody out? Did you come uh, in and— no, you. I mean, you take time, you get in, and you, you start out by really just getting to know everybody. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm a people guy, and, and that's when that was my major variable I had to work with. Right. That's what you had to really get in and learn. So I would just try to learn it, learn who they are, what made them tick. Let me know about your family. What do you think about this? Do you see yourself growing? And if the guy's sitting back and he's like, nah, just here getting paycheck, right. don't ask me to do anything else. I'll be the guy gone five minutes before, and I'm not sleeping in bay. Right. You know, it's like... Okay. Just, just to give you a heads up though, that may not work any longer. Right. We're going to let you do what you want to do, but you might not get to play on our team. If you're going to put in a JV effort, you want to be playing starting on the varsity. Right. Right. So, um, you know, that I, and they got used to usually got rid of themselves a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you had to cut the herd a little bit, but you know, when those standards get put in place, the policies and procedures get put in place, you start doing those things that make a successful business, those automatic things, right? Policies right. and procedures, SOPs, having this is our standard and we're not going to waiver for it. That's what really changes that a lot, right? Um, those people that are not willing to hold themselves to that standard, they're going to get exposed. They're not going to like it. It's going to be uncomfortable. Right. They're going to find somewhere else to slack off. Exactly. Because yeah. if we don't handle that here, then when they learn that that's just, hey, you can choose to do that. That's not what we're going to do. Right. And it's going to be uncomfortable if you do it. Right. And it's going to stay that way. It's not going to change. Right. We're not going back. Then that fixes itself. Well, and, and I think often we assume that they want to stay, especially in independent shops. We think that they want to stay. Yeah. Right. And we keep them on and we keep thinking we, we're going to save this. We're going to salvage this situation. It, we're going to. It's that internal belief in ourselves. Right. I exactly. can save everybody. I love this guy. Yeah. He's my guy I, because it's at, it's our family. Yeah, and dude's been hoping you're going to fire him for months. For sure. You know, all he wants is out. Yeah. <laughs> Your staff has been, you know, just holding on to you. I guess. <laughs> they don't realize that you just want half a honey bun and it's theirs. So I used to do something very similar yeah. in my part store days. Like I, I would go store to store to store to store, yeah. district to district. I got moved around, and it was very common. Like, you would just come in, you would assess – that's keeper. Everybody else has to go. And you just knew. And then you would put, put the standards in and say, this is our threshold. You have to do this thing. You would hold them accountable. And then most of the time, yeah, as soon as I walked in the store, I would immediately start pulling applications out and, hey, we're actively looking because I knew, I knew the entire store would get turned over in 90 days. Sure. Almost every single time. Oh yeah. And so. I, I had no qualms about doing that. Same. I, like, no qualms. Hey, I worked a whole summer one year with me running the counter and turning wrenches and a kid I hired out of high school. Yeah. <laughs> running a whole tire shop right? in yeah. Phoenix in summer. And you oh, had man. just me and him. And, and we're like battle veterans. <laughs> yeah. The weirdest part was about four years ago, standing at the counter of my shop in Michigan, 
go to help write up the next, there's like line of three or four people. I look up and that kid's standing there. Right. What are you doing? His kid was from North Phoenix. Right. What are you, do you, like, what are you doing here? Right. He said, yeah, my girlfriend and I joined the Air Force. She's now going to school at Michigan State. And he was living like four miles from the shop. He was just in to get an oil change. I said, you want to go back and do it yourself? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. But the guys saw like that bond because we were like like war right. veterans because we yeah. had just been through it. Right. <laughs> How crazy is that? One, I got older. So that stopped being appealing. Yeah. Like they'll open the closes, the, the oh, long hours, like exhausting. that slog. Yeah. That stopped being appealing. And, and when then, you're not there, the the electronic leash just every five minutes going off. Yeah, at the beginning, but once you kind well, of get see, the right he, crew listen, in place listen, and stuff like on. that, he's old enough that that wasn't the case, right? They they just no, had no, rotary no. phones. The crank <laughs> on the side of it, like Lassie. <laughs> no, you, it, like that that would calm itself down sure. uh, after a while. Usually, um, I don't know if it was uh, maybe six months to a year, but usually within three months, the entire staff would get turned over, and then from the three three month to nine month you would set in and you would get the right people in place sure. and people that you could trust and rely on and, and things would calm down. But then you would get everything like humming and they'd be like, Hey, uh, we need you to go down to, yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, okay. But that, that was the fun part. Like something new, exciting, new challenge because you've got everything kind of like said for whatever reason, I, I don't know what it is. Open up my own business and that cutthroat mentality, the I'm here to do a job this is what we do. This is the line of the sand. You're replaceable. Just went out the window. I don't know yeah. what. Because you're sudden, playing with your own like, chips. Is that what it is? Probably. You know what it took to get you to that point? Right. Where before it was somebody else's got to that point. Even like I didn't have any point. I didn't have anything. Yeah. Like we had a scan tool and a building. Right. And that was it. Like, and But, you know, all of a sudden you're just like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, it's, it's not even like I'll work the hours. I work plenty. The, of the difference hours. is, is the emotional investment. Yeah. The emotional investment. It's your family. Yeah. This it's is, this family. is my yeah. thing. This is my baby. This right. is my this baby. Is this is, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is mine. This is, is my crew. We're together. We're, we're like, and, and you just, I, I cannot, I can't walk in and be like, and we see this in, in like really good shop owners. Well, you know, I experienced it really bad in the last shop that I ran. I right. was there for about eight years. Right. Opened it from a brand new building. It was about $3.8 million facility when I left. But by the time I left, there was a lot of divisiveness with the guys starting to have, and because I was there so long, so emotionally invested, what I realized was is that I was making all of their deficiencies a reflection of me rather than right. holding them accountable. Right. I kept holding myself accountable, which I felt like I needed to do, but not holding them accountable in turn. And so I was essentially just covering their ass and letting them, right. it, it slowly chips away into where you take more of that on, you, you accept the accountability on their behalf rather than right. making them be accountable. So now was that a, another corporate store? It was. And so why, let me ask you this. You took a completely different route after that. Did. Why did you go a different route? What What was it about not owning your own shop or going your? If you want um, to get the hell out of it, you made a smart choice. Well, so you know, in that corporate world, I mean, I was eighty hours a week, bunch of kids at home. 
I had run multiple locations from as well. At one point I ran four locations, mm-hmm. 20 salesmen, 35 techs. Um, and most of my family life was sacrificed for business. Yeah. Um, I had a good friend that was a technician that I had hired right out of college. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant serial entrepreneur came to me and he said, Hey, you know, we've always talked about building an indoor go-kart track. He goes, I'm tired of selling Bridgestone truck tires. So let's, let's go sell Bridgestone truck tires for a year and let's, let's see if we can figure out getting this project together, but we can't do it if we're both working 80 hours a week. Right. Okay. So we did that and, uh, we opened the go-kart track. Okay. Um, so I was a founding partner of that, got into that and the work life thing still wasn't going to work out. Go-kart tracks open bar hours. Yeah. Yeah. Not great when you've got kids ranging from elementary school through high school. Right. Yeah. So then it was like, Hey, like, let's just reevaluate and see what you want to do. I knew I wanted to take the knowledge I had of almost 20 years standing behind the counter and selling service and working with teams and building people and do something with it. Right. Just started floating my resume and this is where you ended up. That's where I ended up wearing a funky shirt sitting in Dallas (laughs) wearing beads. Wearing beads. I've got a lot of beads. <laughs> I've got a lot of beads. <laughs> do you do you get the same? Do you I would have walked out of that interview and like, hey, how you doing? Whoa, hey. I'm out. See ya. <laughs> do you guys know the, the real story behind the beads and our funky name? No. Okay. Oh. So let me share it because there is purpose behind it. Right? So Uh-oh. The, the, <laughs> The name Kikui actually in Hawaiian is a, it's like a slang term for enlightenment. Right. The Kikui nut, which is what these are. Right. Are what they use for lamp oil. So all like the really? tiki torches and fire dancers and all that stuff. So the term became to mean enlightenment. So that's why we use that. He's got light nuts around his neck. I've got, <laughs> I've got lit nuts. <laughs> What is wrong with you? <laughs> Do you know him like that? When I first learned that Hawaiian nuts burn, I was worried. <laughs> <laughs> He's got. Do you hear all the jokes? Is that you're like, like, yeah, I'm oh, just bro. used to it. Oh yeah, you're just uh, used to it. <laughs> so, um, you guys, uh, and does everybody react like I'm super clever? I'm coming up with this thing, and you're uh, like. Like, yeah, that's a great job. So you ever have that friend that's got a funky name or like a name of a celebrity and you just have had to hear everybody joking with your buddy? Oh, yeah. You start saying the joke, finish before the... Right. uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Um, So, uh, you know, we've talked in the past. Um, I would have internalized rage at that point, though. Like, I'm too dumb for that. Really? Nah, I'm a clown. Bro, can't you tell he is internalized rage? Yes. Like, that is just who he is. Yeah. Yeah. What? What's that movie what? where it's like all the little characters or all the things inside of the guy's brain? He's the one that's like on fire. Oh, yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. It, it, it would just bother me all the time. Rage funky. Like, there's nothing that doesn't bother you all the time. That's true. Like everything bothers you. It doesn't matter what it is. You just, but is that just his perspective because it's him? It, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I've got a text message. I'll let you read. Okay. And so um, somebody sent me a message the other day and they were talking about giving gifts. 
Sure. And he said, you know, I would buy David Christmas gifts, but he said he would complain about every single aspect of the Christmas gift. Well, it's too heavy. I, I'm going to have to carry it. Oh, my God. Look at this. All this wrapping paper. I have to well, unwrap hold on, hold on. it. Would he put it, would he put it on his to-do lists? Me probably. If somebody gifts me something, that's awful. Like, I'm not going to complain about a gift. It's not to their gift. face. No, ever. Like, you just, because yeah, it's will. something. He will. I no, 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 no. You've got me all wrong, dear. You got me all wrong. I wouldn't, if somebody hand, like, they give me something for free, like, you took time to buy this and hand it to me, that will, that will form a little bubble around it. And I will never, ever complain about that thing that you got me ever, ever. Ever. You, can, you can go buy the man a drink and hand it to him and, and listen, here, here's how you know. He doesn't say it out loud. He goes, thanks. <laughs> it's got a little well, seed you know, to they it give before me, it they, goes they, out. They, they hand me something with, with, you know, they gave me a Coke and I, I don't drink Coke. It's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I don't drink Coke. But you see it. But I'm not going to. It's got to work huh? up to it. Yeah. Well, if you had gotten me Miami Cola, when you know I don't like that Miami Cola flavor, like I would have been. Now you're just being mean. That's all I'm saying. And so there was, there wasn't, there wasn't a niceness to it. Like I'm not giving this to you to be nice. I'm giving you Miami Cola to be a dick. That's like the guy at the restaurant downstairs last night. We're having dinner. Yeah, this guy at the table next to us is sauced out of his mind because it's right? fourth quarter of the game and he's tied yeah. one on. Hey guys, she tells me I got. Do you want this? Hands over, glass of neat brown liquid of some sort. Right. It's a pretty nice restaurant downstairs. Three minutes later, still sitting in the middle of the table because we're not sure if we're going to partake in this man's sketchy secondhand drink. Right. <laughs> and he goes, it's like a $14 glass. And I'm like, look over at my counterparts. I said, 14 bucks in a restaurant like this. Probably the cheapest thing I they know, have. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> Name dropping that in here, bro. I know, right? Like <laughs> a side of fries was twelve fifty, Holmes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, no, listen, listen. Uh, uh, Jack downstairs is fourteen dollars. Right. I'm not. Listen. I'm. I'm not. I'm not risking the glass for. For you know. I don't. I don't want what's growing it stayed on his there. lip growing on my lip. You know. Right. <laughs> it stayed there. Yeah. I don't know what kind of Bill Cosby drink he's handing over, but I. I didn't need to sleep that well last night. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> why would something be growing on his lip? <laughs> you just never know, but can yeah. you risk it? No, no, I don't want to drink it's, after it, people. That's it's a forever gross. gift. Things grows. Like, oh. Listen, those things are forever. <laughs> yes, right? yes, very forever. You find out once, you find out forever. <laughs> it, it, I don't go down those roads. I don't know. The gift that never stops giving. Is this something you experience on the daily, dude? No. Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm friends with you. God almighty. It's awful. Anyway, my point is I don't complain about gifts. I just complain about everything else. Everything else. So we found the one the one thing. So that's good. It's yeah. progress. There you go. Yeah, progress. we're... we're we're, we're all growing here today. Yes, we are. Growing. We are. We That's evolved. the point of the podcast. We've, like we've adapted. Yes, we've evolved, as Chris <laughs> likes to say. David's grown out and, and has to scoot his chair further back now. I'm about the same way I was last time we saw. Yeah. You we saw each other. I'm putting some on. Are you bigger? Too. Yeah. Are you? I'm eating all the time. Well, it's yeah, stress you're building a shop. It, stress when it falls over. Yeah, you can go to hell. Why would you remind me of that? <laughs> you brought it up. Oh, that's good. He told the everybody. The stress of building yeah. a shop. The 
industry. No, 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 no. It's not that. It's he's his own general contractor. That's that was his. Would have now that you are after it. Would have it been cheaper just to to no. hire somebody? You're still saving money. Oh yeah. Are you sure? Even after all the mistakes, after redoing, after the yeah. Yeah, because that was the only thing, right? Okay. The the only that thing other fell th- over like one of those those little kid cars. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No that that was the only mistake, and that that cost thirty five thousand over top of what it would have cost in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. A that project was, like that. That's not. No. I mean, the still, only but. other thing would have been the same thing everybody else dealt with, which was the so the the inspector shows up, and I knew. Like when he walked through the door, I'm like, Dude, oh, we're screwed. Been there. And so he walks through the door. And when he walks through the door, the first thing he does is he's like, he's like David on crack, man. He's like bouncing. Whoa, man, look over there. Oh, the, 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 you need a king stud here. When yeah, you see an inspector studs. excited, worry. Yeah, exactly. And he's you like, want oh. that guy mute. Exactly. <laughs> and so he's like bouncing around. He's like, ah, oh, there, there needs to be three king studs here. You can't just do it with two. And blah, 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 blah. And he's like, dude, the, there's no... There's no power anywhere in the building, right? Like, it's clear that there's no power hooked up to the building. And he's getting his voltmeter out, and he's checking the panel, right? Like, the main wires aren't even into the panel. He's not there for an electrical inspection. He's there for a framing inspection in one part of the building, nothing else, right? And so he's checking the electrical. He's like, oh, if I come out, I need to go ahead and inspect everything right here. While I'm here, I need to get this done right away if I'm going to be here, blah, 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 blah. And so uh, me and Dad are looking at each other like, oh, shit. And so... He goes around and he goes all the way through the shop and he's like, okay, okay. And he's, he's things like the stairs, right? So there's a mezzanine. You go up the stairs and there's a, um, there is the crossover point of head height from mm-hmm. the floor of the mezzanine and the stairs where you go down it. And he's trying to say that he needs a certain measurement from the riser on one of the stairs out. And so he's like within a sixteenth of an inch saying you need to move this back or go up this many inches, right? Like he, he's judging down to a 16th and a 32nd to, to call us on our, the fact we don't have enough head height, right? And whatever, by the book, I guess it's by the book. Sure. And so he walks around the shop and he walks outside and he's like, where's the disconnects? And we're like, well, they're, they're all inside. Like all of the disconnects are on the wall. He's like, no, 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 no. The new electrical code says they all have to be together. And so what I want you to do is I want you to put all three of these disconnects together in the same style box and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, well, the electrician's not here this day. And so I tell the electrician, the electrician's like, dude, that's not what code says. And I'm like, well, call the dude and talk to him, tell him. So they make all these telephone calls. They call the the other electricians. They call the code board. They're like this, that, and the other. And somebody finally comes back and says, well, what the code's changing to is going to require them to have three disconnects in the same place so you can turn the service off if there's an issue in the same place, right? But that code's not in effect yet. But if he's asking for it, he's the end authority. If you try and go around him. I had it happen. Well, (laughs) if you try and go around him, they're going to lock you down. Dude, check this out. So a couple weeks go by. And we're emailing him and we're calling him. And he wanted, like, proof that my insulation was the right thickness. And he's like, that insulation's not six inches thick. And I'm like, you're right. It's not. Because when you've got six inches of insulation against a metal beam and you put metal on top of it and you tighten it down, it's not six inches thick anymore. Right. Uh, uh, duh. 
Right. Right. And he's like, well, I need proof that it was six inches when you put it in. I'm like, dude, first of all, you're not inspecting this part, but I'm trying to be nice so I don't get myself in trouble. So I'm trying to send him all this stuff. I'm trying to call him. Did you get it? And he never answers and he never says anything. Nothing ever happens. And then one day, like we've called planning and inspections over and over. And they're like, we'll leave a message for him. I send the email and the email bounces back and it says this address no longer exists. Uh And I'm like, hmm. So we call them. You know what they say? Yeah, we don't know what to tell you. He doesn't work here anymore. Like, he doesn't work there anymore. Uh Uh-uh. No, he got fired two weeks ago. Like, you mean right after he left here? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So the next inspector comes out, and he's like, what in the hell is all of this electrical panel BS? I was like, that's the $7,000. He's like, $7,000? Like, yeah. He's like, it wasn't like that. It was set up like this, and he made us change it. He's like... Dude, that's not going to pass code. Oh. And I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah. He's like, that won't pass code like that. He's like, it'll pass the other way. Just change it back. I'm like, dude, I've got like 15 holes in the side of the building where we've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. <sighs> I mean, look. I've had, so that big shop I was telling you about. Yeah. Scheduled to open Halloween. Mm-hmm. We go in. Everything's pretty much done. 10,000 square foot building, 10 bays, two alignment bays, gorgeous building. Right. Floors open. We need to get all the underground approved so we can pour our floors. Right. Last thing that needs to be done, except for some exterior lighting. Right. They show up. All right. This guy, we could barely get him to come out once a month, When even when we called him. Right. They did not want another automotive repair shop in town. Oh, man. Kind of fought us a lot. Right. So he comes in and he goes, Oh, yeah, just to let you know, since when your original permits were approved, we've changed our regulation for the backflow preventers. So you're going to need to change all those, and you need to have an oil water separator that you didn't need to have before. Can't pour your floor. No. That was the first one. Get all of it done. That was in December. We finally got a floor in it. Now, I had paid about $8,000 for radio advertisements. <laughs> Came right. out of my budget. Right. Well, and if you've done radio advertisement, they don't care if plans are changed. They're still running yeah. those ads. Right. So I had all these people talking about, come see this new location. <laughs> right. Calling my cell phone going, hey, dude, you don't have a floor. I'm like, thanks, I know. I, I've, I appreciate really it. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Dude. So then we go, last couple things, you know, it's exterior trim and stuff. The light fixtures on the outside of our building, we were doing, at that time, compact compact fluorescence. This was 2010, 2012. Mm -hmm. We're backward. Couldn't get them. Contractor comes and says, hey, there's these new LEDs. It's like the new thing. They're ultra efficient. It's when LEDs first started coming in. I said, you know what? Let's just go with that. Right. Let's do LED on the building. Less light pollution. The township was really concerned about light share on the outside of the building. Right. For some crazy reason. Now, this is a town that's next to Michigan State. Like, next right. to a college with a giant stadium. But exactly. Light <laughs> everywhere. Thanks. Yeah. But anyway, so we go, okay, go with that. It's less lumens, less power. Normally, when you go up, not down, is when you run afoul of right. code enforcement. Right. Put them on. Guy comes to do our final CFO walkthrough. He goes, all right, well, we have two issues. Okay. And he's like tapping on the CFO, holding it in his hand. I'm right. Like, oh. Here we go. 
was like, okay, what is, what's going on? He goes, well, your lighting on the outside, that wasn't approved. You guys didn't send in an amendment. It's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. So we talked through it. Right. He goes, now we have another issue. What could it be? We haven't changed right. anything else. Right. See that American flag sitting outside your building? I said, yeah, I do. Right. It's outside of all of them and my house. Right, right. He goes, that's a eight by 10 flag. That's over code. <laughs> I looked at him. I said, I, let me understand something real quick before I let you say your next sentence. Did I come from a military family? Right. Brothers retired from the Navy. Dad was in the Army. Grandpa was in the Coast Guard. I'm going to let you pause and think about what you're going to tell me before you tell me the next thing after you mention the size of my flag. Right. But if it involves you need to take that flag down, we might have a tough conversation between us. (laughs) This man did not blink, did not hesitate, and says, I am not signing this until you take that down because it is not in code. Oh, my God. So I walked out. Gritting my teeth, ran old glory down the pole right. to get my CFO. And as he's pulling out, that thing was running right back up the pole. Well, you know the the story of, uh, is it Tom Johnson Camping World in the in the uh, American flag? You all remember that? They, they said that he couldn't have an American flag up, said it was too big of an American flag. So he went and bought like this. I mean... He probably spent $500,000 on a flagpole and put an American flag on the it. The biggest there. one ever. Right, exactly. And I mean, like, dude, it sails this out there. like Indianapolis or No, Indiana. this was in North Carolina. Right? There's, there's one, like, in Indiana, like, on I-70, you're driving towards Indianapolis because it is enormous. So there's one on 75 north of Detroit that's yeah. like that. It's, uh, it's like, 200-foot flag. Yeah. It's outside of a bell tire. Uh, let's see here. Um, so the better part about that story was, was that, uh, then I started getting fined every week for the flag. Right. Electrical contractor comes out two weeks later, pulls one of my sodium lights out that faced the flag. I was like, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, well, township called. There's a lumen limit and that's considered an exterior structure. I was like, what is the lumen limit? He goes, it's a thousand lumens. Are you kidding me? So then we take my happy Irish ass into the next township meeting with my (laughs) stinger flashlight that's always on my belt. Township supervisor went, dink, and shined right in the face. I said, I just need you guys to understand something. My $1,600 sodium light that just got removed and capped out in my driveway, and the American flag is now dark half the night. And I'm now currently twice the lumen limit that's shining you in the face. <laughs> Can we just stop being ridiculous? What'd they say? They approved that, but they still wouldn't let me put that bigger flag up. So oh, that is ridiculous. Well, that's okay. When every VFW organization and veterans group in the country somehow gets the township supervisor's name, phone number, and email address, <laughs> and <laughs> they, they get hit pretty quick. So, uh, uh, let's see here. Marcus Lamonis allowing, uh, he, he is the, uh, owner of, um, Camping World, a publicly uh, traded company yeah. and says that, um, they had put a flag up 
and that the flag measures 40 feet by 80 feet. For a camping world, that doesn't seem big. I mean, I've right. seen a lot bigger right. flags. Hangs 130 foot high. Attaboy. Well, right. there's, you know, there's rules. Like, for the size of flag, you got to have a certain size of pole. And right. All that. Yeah. Right. And they said that the code limits the flag to 25 feet by 40 feet. But they recently changed the, or rezoned the area that it sits in to remove that zoning. So. I bet. Yeah. I mean, when, dude, when you're fighting that and said, uh, the settlement came down Monday, which, uh, comes with a price according to local Fox affiliate must pay over $14,000 in fines for originally breaking the ordinance with a $2,000 in legal cost. Um, and that he would no longer be, uh, fined the $50 a day for the violation. Same thing. I was getting tickets every week. So this township was weird about flags though. So it's right next to Michigan state. Right. One of my buddies owned a bakery down the road. Right. And he was flying Michigan state flag. Yeah. Makes sense, right? He went to Michigan State, right down the road, Michigan State flag. Right. Can't fly everything, anything but state of Michigan flag, American flag. Really? So they started fighting him. So he goes and appeals, you know, tries to get a variance just like you would normally do. Right. Gets denied. Come on. Right. Goes to court. Finally, the result was that any time that there's a home game, he can fly the flag. That's what they settled on. Okay. So every intramural soccer game, every, every game you consider home, right. he had a schedule of that he kept on his desk. And he would go out and put that flag up. right up. Oh, I bet you that burnt their tail. It did. There I bet you they came in multiple times saying, no, no, no. Dude, they were like, even with me, they had interns that would sit in a van with video cameras and just try to find something. That is for great. like six months. But I mean, what, what what does that accomplish? Nothing. What, so what people with power trips like they yeah. have no power, they have no control. This is what this is what gets them off. Well, that's so what, you what you know what you do. You vote them out. You run against well, them, and that's what ended up well, happening. But I I had to level with them. I said, guys, listen, this is a business that's going to generate tax revenue for this township. And what was it before? It was a closed down car wash with weeds ten feet high. Right. Which one would you rather have? Well, you know, they don't see it that way. They not at it, all. They see it as money in the bank. They see it as I said no. Yeah. The the so Blowing Rock, the the little town that I actually live in. I'm between Boone and Blowing Rock. But if you do a little bit of research on them, one of the things that you'll see is that that you know, for instance, travel and tourism is huge, right? It's like the main revenue source, and yet um, some of the people who are there are are in the top five percent of revenue earners nationwide, right? Like there's some big money there and they have the opportunity to be on various boards and whatnot. And so they say, Hey, listen, our favorite restaurants are always full. We want to stop spending money on travel and tourism. And everybody else is like, Whoa, like that's not cool. And they're like, yeah, but, but you know, it's not as much, it's not enjoyable for the locals anymore. So everybody says, what are you talking about? It's not like you understand that you don't eat there enough to, to cover the expense of the restaurant. Right? Like, if, how is this going to work? You're here one month a year. Well, I know, but we don't want to advertise during that month. And we want the buildings to be these colors, and we want the signs to look like this, and we want your landscaping to be this. Right? They were setting codes for everything. Wow. And and I, I will never forget, there's this crazy story about uh, one of the local inspectors going up and telling them, like, hey, you know, subfloor glue, had when they put the subfloor down in the, the house, they squirted it on the joist and they laid the, the OSB on top of it and it squirted out. And when it did, it dropped on the ground. The inspector goes in and says, I'm going to have to shut the job down until we have the EPA out here to look and see if this is environmentally dangerous. 
dude, you could take a shovel and scrape it up. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's nothing. But they were just doing it just to be like that about it. He ended up getting nailed in the crawl space, and that was a bit of a situation for the people involved. Uh, it turns out the local police department called the contractor at 3 a.m. and wanted to know why they locked him in the crawl space, but, <laughs> you know. Shit happens. I guess right. if you pick on the wrong people, you pick on the wrong people. Sometimes I mean, you mess around. Sometimes you find out. That's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.